Amen, amen. I just wanted to share that with you guys. It's exciting stuff. So I'll see you tomorrow. There, we're going to be spreading those. Those uh, horse mats are about 100 pounds each, so bring some gloves and some pants. It's going to be nuts. It's going to be nuts. And so as we're studying this portion of Scripture, I believe that God has led us to Joshua on purpose because he wants us to study their history and the conquest of the new land and to glean and learn from Joshua and the men and women that he led, but also to learn who our God is even more, that we would be courageous, that we would be strong, that we would fear no one. As a matter of fact, in chapter one alone, God tells Joshua three separate times, hey, be courageous and strong. Hey, be courageous and strong. Oh, did I mention I need you to be courageous and strong? How many of you guys think that Joshua taking over the helm for Moses scared him just a little bit? How many guys think that he's like, wait, so in the wilderness, a bunch of people died. I was kind of hoping they'd all just die, but they're still here. And so now I'm the leader. Yeah, you're the leader, Joshua. All right, all right, got to figure this out, man. And God says, hey, be strong and courageous. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. Not one person will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. And what God needs, and I've been saying this for a while, what God needs and what God is raising up is Christians with that same type of faith in today's battles, today's difficulties, that Christians would stand courageous, okay, confident, listen, and compassionate. Right now, everyone's running around trying to find someone to blame, someone to cancel, someone to play the victim card with. They're looking for a savior, looking for a new legislation, looking for a new solution. And what Christians need to be is like Joshua, who stand in the midst of the Amalekites and the Canaanites and the Perizzites and all the things that are going on. And they stand, but they're standing courageous, confident, and compassionate. Let's read the first nine verses of Joshua, and then we'll study it. And I'm going to do a little bit of introduction this morning, so it's going to take just a little bit of head thought for you guys to consider Joshua before we jump into it and go verse by verse. But it says this. It says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise and go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory." No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage. For to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give to them. That promise, by the way, was to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, and to Moses. And now to Joshua, the promise was long standing. Verse 7, only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. One of the sweetest verses you'll ever see and memorize in here is verse eight. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Amen. In Joshua... This book is the first of a dozen historical books that detail the conquest of the promised land. 
Joshua will lead to Judges and, and then to Ruth and First and Second Samuel, First and Second Kings and First and Second Chronicles. And we'll see the history books of Daniel and Esther and Ezra and Nehemiah and all of the historical books. And this is the first one that details the history of God's kids. Listen, once they finally entered into the promised land after 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. Now let me ask you this question. Aren't you glad that God keeps his promises? He promised to them, I'm going to give you this land, I promise you. And what did they do? They immediately started acting like fools. Delivered from Egypt, they're out of Egypt, like, that was awesome, God. Ah! And they saw the Egyptians coming, and they began to panic. Then the next day, they got a little hungry, and their cornflakes were soggy. Yeah, we're hungry, you want to go back to Egypt, you know, and all this belly aching. For 40 years, they wandered, listen, and they had problems, and God allowed that 40 years of wandering, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, in order to let that rebellious, sinful generation die off and raise up a new generation that the promises were still valid towards because God doesn't break his promises. Aren't you glad that even in all of your wandering and all of your rebellion and all of your complaining that God still keeps his promises? I mean, how many of you right now in your life would say, if God were you know, gonna be fair, okay, he should just vaporize me. I mean, if God were fair, like, let's just be fair, Luke. I don't, please, not fair. I need mercy. I need grace. I need you to keep your promises. I have broken every one of my promises. And what a story of God's deliverance because we've all been rebellious. We've all wandered. We've all made mistakes. But the good news is that God loves his humans. He loves his kids. And if you have rebelled and if you have wandered, it just proves that you're human. You're not the savior. You're not the one. God is the one. Now, the first five books of the Bible, I want you guys to understand the context here, are known as, known as the Pentateuch or the Torah. And it's the first five books of the Bible that Moses gave to us, and largely it is the law of God ceremonially and Levitically and that we would know who God is. And most people, when they read the first couple books of the Bible, they get kind of lost, especially in Leviticus, and you read the Ten Commandments, and did you know that Moses was given the Ten Commandments, but not just Ten Commandments, but there's 613 commandments in the Old Testament, and the law came from Moses to the children of Israel. Now, most of us think, okay, we gotta keep the law. Haven't you guys ever tried to keep the law before? Try to keep the law? Nobody, wow, South Beach Church, good job. (laughs) You all tried to keep the law. Let me ask you a different question. How many of you guys have broken the law while trying to keep the law, okay? Every single one of you guys. The law's good, the law's not bad, but the law of God came from Moses for a couple of reasons, okay? Number one, to illustrate how holy God is. It's too big. The law, so I say this, Sensitively, there are still a group of people who are faithful people who believe in God and they believe in the law and they read the law, let's do it, let's do it, let's keep the law. And they measure tassels and they measure their things and they, they calculate stuff like, let's, let's just make sure we don't ever break the law. Good luck, good luck. The law is not really given to us in order that we might be able to fulfill it, but the law was given to show us that you actually can't fulfill it. It's too big. It's too big because our God is so glorious. And so it illustrates two things. The law was actually given in the Old Testament to show, it's just it's too big. As a matter of fact, the only way to get to heaven is to be perfect, right? And the only people that are perfect are those who are perfectly forgiven. But if you just keep the law, you actually don't need to be saved. If you just, when you're, when you're born, if you just never blow it, never get out of bounds, never do anything wrong, you also can get to heaven outside of the salvatory work of Jesus Christ. Guess who's doing that? Nobody. Especially not the 6 p.m. service when we had that. Those guys couldn't do it, you know. 
The law, the law illustrates how big God is, but it also illustrates how sinful we are. There's 613 Old Testament commandments, but God even just summarized those down into 10 commandments. Like, here's the 10. Don't ever do these things wrong. And each and every one of us have broken those laws that God's given to us, at least in heart, some of us in action. And so the law, you guys got to understand this, was given to us, not that it would get us into heaven, not that it would gain our righteousness, but the law actually is a tutor that leads us to Christ. That's Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, or 3 says it this way. You can put it on the screen, Dave, if you have it. Galatians chapter 3 tells us exactly what is going on. And it says, but before faith came, we were kept under guard by the law, kept for the faith which would afterward be revealed. Therefore, the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. Leave that right there. Go back. The, therefore, the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. When you look at the law, the Old Testament, you're like, oh, man. What? Oh, man. It's an arrow. It's a vehicle. It's a tutor. It's a teacher saying, guess what? This shows how holy God is. It shows how unholy you are. Well, what do I do? What do I do? Go to Jesus. How must I be saved? What can I do with my life? Oh, wretched man that I am, I don't do what I want to do, and I do what I don't want to do. Ah, what do I do? Thank God for his son, Jesus Christ. And when you know that, biblically and historically, from Genesis to Revelation, that the entire grand meta-narrative, the story from heaven given to you and I, is to show us and point us to Jesus Christ, because the law can only lead us to salvation through Jesus. Now, you guys know that Joshua is a Hebrew word, and Joshua, when translated, means Yahweh is salvation. Joshua is the Hebrew word for our Greek word, Jesus, and Jesus, when translated, also means Yahweh is salvation. Isn't that awesome? Jesus means God is salvation. Jesus Christ was born to Mary and Joseph. The angel told them, you're gonna name him Jesus. They didn't get to pick their own names. You guys probably picked names when you had kids, like you got the name book, like, we're gonna name him this. And the angel said, you're gonna name him Jesus. Jesus was a very common name in those days. It was like Jim, you know, it was like, hey, this is Jim, the savior of the world. It was a very common name, but it had very specific meaning. Jesus, Yahweh is salvation. Joshua, thousands of years earlier, which I'll get into this in a little bit, is a type of Jesus, a picture of Jesus, a principle of Jesus, a foreshadowing of Jesus. And all of this makes sense. As a matter of fact, if you're a note taker, write this down. We're going to read and study Joshua through three different lenses. Number one, it's Israel's history. It's a story of God and his power and how we get to let God use us. And the children of Israel were used by God whenever they would let him. It's just a historical narrative. God has a plan and a power, and he always does. And he's looking for people to partner with all the time. He chose the children of Israel. He's chosen people to let him use them. We're going to study it out historically, not just historically, but we're going to study it out principally. All of the stories in the Old Testament are in one way, shape, or another types or pictures in the Old Testament of principles and truth in the New Testament. Let me read it to you this way. The book of Romans says it in verse 4, chapter 15. It says, for whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we through the patience and comfort of the scripture might, might have hope. The Old Testament, the things that were written, the stories that we're about to understand, they were written for our patience and our learning for our hope. So that way you can know how God's going to deal with you and how God's going to use you and redeem the situation you're in, not just there, but in the book of First Corinthians chapter 10, it also tells us that the things that God gave to us in the Old Testament were given there for 
pictures and for learning for our admonition i'll read it to you it says now all these things happened to them as examples and they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world have come as we study the book of joshua for such a time as this we understand god's heart and god's character to his people principally and historically but also prophetically when we study the book of joshua joshua is now leading the children of israel across the jordan river into the promised land And there's a prophetical, spiritual overtone that speaks to and signifies the life of the spirit-filled believer. That when you got saved, delivered from Egypt, you got saved, man, I'm rescued, and now I'm growing in the grace and knowledge of Jesus. But there is an additional baptism, a second baptism, which isn't the baptism of water when you got saved and delivered from your sins, but it is the baptism, listen, of the filling of the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, when the Holy Spirit lives in you, when the Holy Spirit works through you. And here's the challenge, here's the exciting part about studying the book of Joshua is that the children of Israel were delivered from Egypt, but the law couldn't bring him into the promised land. Moses had died. Now it's Joshua, this type of Jesus that leads them through the Jordan River into what God had promised for them. The law, your rules, my disciplines, our policies, can't do it. You know what can do it? The grace of Jesus Christ the Holy Spirit's power in your life, the filling of the Holy Spirit. And yet there's a challenge there. We're gonna see that it's not necessarily just once and done, but they have to grow in this prophetical understanding of the promised land. And when we got saved, we were promised a new life, right? We were promised new power. We were promised joy and life and fruitfulness. When you got saved, all these are promises of God. And the conquest is yours. And here's the deal, though. It takes the children of Israel a long time to work these things into our life. For some of us, we're still working it out ourselves. This is why I believe the Lord has led South Beach Church to study this book for such a time as this that we can grow into the things that God wants us to do. Now, let me give you just a little bit more insight about Joshua because we're gonna be studying him a lot and I want us to learn from him both prophetically and principally and also historically. Did you know Joshua was born in Egypt as a slave? He was born there before the Passover lamb came. His parents, the, he's the, we don't really know his mom and dad's name. We know that their last name was Nun. Uh, maybe they were in the Catholic Church. He was raised by the nuns. I'm not sure if that's the, the case, you know. That's funny, you guys can figure that out later. He's, he's raised by the son of Nun, and he was raised in Egypt. And God began then to raise up a deliverer for him in Egypt. And I just wanna speak to you guys who didn't have a classic upbringing, a great upbringing, a strong upbringing, that God can deliver you right where you're at. He can do anything through you. If you give your life to him, yesterday I was at this uh, pastor's conference and I met these two guys, Curry and Alexander, and, and they were there and they said, hey, Luke, Luke, we met one of your guys the other day. His name's Carlos Villarreal. And they pulled, out a, uh, they pulled out a sticker that said diamonds in the rough. Yeah, he was at our church at Estacada Calvary Chapel and, and these guys were so fired up. And I was like, dude, let's take a selfie right now. And they were excited. And at one point, these two guys are walking in active recovery. I mean, there's more tattoos on their body than, than, than most. And they're covered in tattoos. And before I left, they said, Luke, can we pray for you? I said, absolutely. And they both laid hands on me, began to pray for me that I'd be walking in the power of the Holy Spirit and continue to fulfill his purpose in my life. And I just received this prayer from guys that didn't necessarily get the best start. Joshua did not get the best start. Joshua wasn't just a slave, but he's also a soldier. While in that area, living in Egypt, most believe that he was trained in war, that he had a sword, he knew how to fight. And so we see the first battle in the book of Exodus where Moses commands Joshua, okay, we're being attacked by the Amalekites. Joshua, go down there and fight. 
And so Joshua's like, all right. And so he grabs his weapon, goes down and fight. Jo- jo- Moses is up above praying. Aaron and her come there as well. It's a wonderful story in Exodus chapter 17 where they're praying for Joshua down below and he's wielding the sword and winning the battle when they're praying. It's a collective effort, but here's my point. Some of the things that Joshua learned in Egypt, some of the things that he learned in his previous life, God then redeemed for the good of others and the glory of God. I hope you've grabbed onto this. I've spent some of my days, maybe a decade or so, living in Egypt, doing things for the ways of the world. And in that, God's given all of us experience and wisdom and opportunities. And when he saves us and says, hey, I see you have a skill set here to do this or to do that and to serve the ways of your flesh or the ways of the world, I want to redeem that and I want to use what God has given to you, your experience and your wisdom and your gifts and your skills. I want to use that now to serve the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords in the church. This is so fun. Yesterday I was having lunch up there and I was sitting next to this guy. He said, I'm a, I'm a um, plumber by, by contract, by, by trade. And so I've been here at this church for many years and every time they have a plumbing project, man, they call me first thing. <laughs> I said, that's so awesome. I said, the church needs plumbers and the church needs electricians and the church needs roofers and masons and, and earth movers and the church needs, needs lawyers and accountants and the church needs security people and the church needs all these folks. And what has God given to you? Has he gifted you and equipped you with something? I bet he has. And Joshua was not just a slave, but he was a soldier, but he was also a spy, and he was a good spy. You guys remember early in the conquest of the promised land, they sent the 12 spies into the land there in Numbers chapter 12. And the 12 spies went in, and they all came back with the same report. They said, dude, this is crazy. The produce is so big. The grapes are as big as bowling balls. Gas is 25 cents a gallon. It's crazy in there. This is nuts. But they came back, and then 10 of the spies said, yeah, but there's bad guys there too. Super hard, super difficult. There's no way we can get in. We're like grasshoppers in their presence. And then Caleb and Joshua, these guys, these spies, they went in, they said, hey, we saw the same thing. This is the promised land. It's filled with milk and honey. This thing's crazy. But you know, we can take the land. We can take the land. We can do it. God said it. And they began to try and cheer louder than the 10 negative spies. Instead, they started saying, we can do it. God's for us, not against us. And nobody would listen to them until 40, listen, 40 years went by. And now God's like, all right, Moses is dead. All those other negative Nancys are dead as well. I need a new leader to lead the way. Joshua, Caleb, front of the pack, let's go. And can I just encourage you to be a positive person, a positive spy, if you would? You see everything everyone else sees. Don't you guys see everything? I see everything. Nobody's unaware of what's going on. You can watch CNN. You can watch Fox. You can watch anything you want. You watch it. We all see. What's the report that you're giving to people, though? What's the report that you're giving to your family and to your community? Only Joshua, only Caleb had a good report and said, oh, it's no big deal. With God, all things are possible. This is what the world needs. Well, Joshua was not just a slave, not just a soldier, not just a spy, but listen, he was also a servant. Throughout his upbringing and his preparation, he was serving. Not just him, but Moses. Moses is called the servant of the Lord, and Joshua is called the assistant of Moses. Okay, there's nowhere in the economy of God's kids I believe in the church and in the kingdom of God for laziness. There just isn't. God wants us to be servants, men and women, showing up early, staying late, saying yes to everything, serving other people, serving the mission, learning, growing in the grace and knowledge of Jesus. Jesus actually washed the disciples' feet one day, and as soon as he was done, he said, hey, I've done this as an example. Now you go wash other people's. This is what I want you to do as an example because you guys missed it. Go help people. Go serve people. God rarely calls anybody that isn't already working or doing something. I'll say it differently. God rarely uses or calls idle men and women. Instead, he calls the men and women that are already actively working. God called Moses when he was shepherding. 
God called Joseph when he was caring for his brothers. God called Gideon when he was threshing the wheat. God called Elisha when he was plowing the ground. He called Daniel when he was serving the king. He called the boys when they were fishing and mending their nets. Let me just say it this way. Let's make sure that we're servants, that we're not afraid to give, not afraid to to sweat, not afraid to work, not afraid to listen, not afraid to labor, to, to whatever capacity you can. I realize that there's different seasons of our life. But God has given to each one of us a measure of time, talent, and treasure. I think it was Friday, I can't remember, but I was at the school, there was no school that day, and, 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 and some of the horse mats had come in, and I was, I was offloading these horse mats onto the ground, I was kind of sweating, kind of just setting up the goggle ball pit and some of the playground equipment, and I just, I didn't have any help, and I wasn't crying about it, but I noticed I don't have any help, you know, and I was in there, and, and, and I just noticed, and the Lord said, you good, man? I said, yeah, I'm, I'm good. He said, this is fun, isn't it? I said, it's, it's totally fun. And I was kind of like breaking some rules. I got hurt on Wednesday. I was playing softball and I pulled a muscle and so I really shouldn't be doing anything. I was like, Lord, am I doing, am I, you know, should I be working right now? You know, but I just, the Lord said, hey, always serve, always serve, always serve. And it was such a joy. And I just want to encourage you guys. Moses was a servant. Joshua was a servant. And if you've been serving anything thus far right now in your life, maybe it's just like Joshua and God's been preparing you to be the servant that he's called to do the next great thing. Whatever you do, do the glory of God and the good of others. Not only was he a slave when he was born and a soldier in his training, a spy with a good report and a servant, but then God raised him up to be the successor. God raised him up to be the next great leader. After a long journey in the woods, he goes from Joshua, the slave, and the soldier, the spy, and the servant to being the senior leader. This is how good our God is. He calls us right where we're at, begins to use us, begins to employ us, begins to implore us to follow him. Let's study this out now. Just a little bit of context. I want you guys to understand as we get into this. Look at verse one. It says, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise and go over this Jordan, you and all your people in the land, which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Stop right there. Eyes up here. It's a pretty rough intro. Moses is dead. Let's go. It's like, all right, well, you know, this is after a 30-day burial service. You can read it in Deuteronomy chapter 34. They had a 30 days of mourning. And isn't it awesome, though, that even after this epic transition in time and this big death and this big issue, God continues to speak to Joshua and to his people. He continues to lead them. You need to believe this right now that no matter what you're going through, no matter what your friends have gone through, that God is still speaking to you. He's not done yet. We get in these seasons of our life where there's been a death, there's been a season that comes to a close, and there's a mourning and a real difference in our life. And God says, I'm not done. I'm not done. Keep listening for my voice. Keep listening for my spirit. God will continue to speak to you. And this is a big deal for the children of Israel. Can you imagine how big of a change this would be? For 40 years, they've had their same routine every single day. For 40 years, they've woken up like, hey, what are you going for breakfast? Psych! Just kidding. You're all having manna. You know, and they go, get manna. 40 years of manna, you know. And what do you want to do today? Psych! Pack up the tent. We're going to follow the pillar of fire by night and the cloud by day. This is what we've been doing for 40 years. And no change. And all of a sudden, God's like, hey, Moses is dead. We're doing something brand new. A big change is coming. 
Now, not everyone likes change. How many of you guys love routine and order and kind of normalcy in your life? Raise up your hand, nice and big. You're proud of yourself. I know you guys. I know you guys. How many of you guys, though, you're kind of okay with change and spontaneous, you know, decisions? Raise up your hand. Where are my people at? I want to see you guys. I want to see your feet. Yeah. Where you just, you don't really know. And, 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 and here's the deal. God usually brings those kind of people groups together as teammates to mess with them. Husbands and wives. Usually you have like a husband and wife, you know, and loves routine and order and normalcy and the other one just kind of doesn't even have a calendar. I've never used a calendar in my life. I don't even know what a calendar is, you know, and my wife, you know, and so God's brought my wife and I together and we're different in that way. And some people love routine and order and normalcy. But listen, God's made us different on purpose. He's wired us for reasons that glorify him. But here's the deal. Things change. Okay. Things change. I think it was Herculitis, the sixth century Greek philosopher, who said the only constant thing in life is change. Now, if you just are just honest and you look back at some pictures of yourself like a year and a half ago, you're like, what was I wearing that for? What a weirdo, you know? Look at your hair. Like, my hair looks so weird, you know? Because you just change. You don't even know you're changing. Everything is always changing. Some people really embrace that. Some people resist that. Listen, I just need us to all participate in the change that God's bringing to our life constantly. Two things, you have to accept it and participate in it. You can resist it and reject it. It's still gonna happen. You can resist it and reject it and not participate in it. And things are still going to be changing and you're just gonna have missed the opportunity that God brings to our life for something new, something greater, something more. I said, I rejoice at this because I look around the church and I've been here for 12 years now and man, it has changed every single year, some, some new change. Things are out of our control. Sometimes it's reactive, sometimes it's proactive. Here's the deal, though. In the change, God is still speaking to Joshua. He's still speaking to the people of Israel. And I want you guys to understand that God is speaking to you, and this is to be encouraging. So if you're in a season of change right now, just know that the Lord's speaking to you. He's speaking to you through his son Jesus, through his word, through his people. He's got you. He knows what's happening. I love some of the things that we've had to let go over the last couple of years. They're just gone. Some of the freedoms we've had, some of the, the, the understandings that we've had, the normalcies. God is always, though, leading us and guiding us, even if there's a season of death and a season of loss. And God here, it says, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant. Again, both these guys are labeled servants and assistants. This is what is to be a marker of the child of God that they work, they serve, they show up early, they get after it. Verse two, it says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise and go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. God's commandments are his enablements. He tells Joshua, rise up, let's go. This is where you're going. This is what I'm doing. This is why it's imperative that you know God's word because God's word gives us confidence. It gives us direction. It gives us hope. It gives us equipping. We understand God's purposes and God's promises for us. He was giving them the land, and so I just want to encourage our church to know the promises of God, know the word of God, know the mission of God, know the voice of God, because God's going to speak to you in a world gone mad. He's going to say, hey, I'm doing stuff right now. Be a part of my mission. Look at verse three. He says, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I've given you as I said to Moses. Now, let's dissect this verse. He tells us in verse four, he goes and underscores, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and of the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. 
Stop right there in eyes on the screen. Dave, can you put that uh, one map up for me, please? This is the map that God had just promised to the children of Israel. It's kind of blurry, but you can still get the, the point. Now, if you're able to see the screen right now, you can see on the upper left-hand corner that blue is the Mediterranean Sea. Directly to the right of the Mediterranean Sea, you see a word that says Beirut, it says Lebanon. Uh, below that, it says Israel. That's modern-day Israel right there. That's where they occupy and live right now. Above that is Syria. You can see all that. The land that is yellow, I'm gonna call that yellow, might be green to some of you. The yellow-green land, that is the land that was just promised and prophesied from God to Joshua for the children of Israel. He said, this is the promised land. This is what I'm giving to you guys. As far as the river Euphrates, as far as the great sea, as far as the sun going down, this is what I've given to you. Now, I point out again, Israel in the upper left-hand corner, which some speculate is around 10% of the actual land that they were promised. It's actually smaller than 10%. During the highest height of their occupation in the Middle East was under the reign of King Solomon. And when King Solomon was leading them, they only ever occupied 10% of all that God, about 30,000 square miles, where God had promised him 300,000 square miles. Now, there's a small application in there for our lives too. The promises of God to you and I in Jesus are yes and amen. And he's promised great things for the church. And yet, just like the children of Israel, some, if not most, of the promises of God have not gone into full achievement or application in our life. God still said that we could have them. But if you're honest, there's things in your life right now where you're wondering, where's this at in my life? Where's this promise of God? Where's this power of God? Where's this provision of God? And God would say, I promised you. I promised you. As a matter of fact, go back to verse three. You can leave that map up there just for fun. But verse three says this, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses. There are two tenses in verse three that you need to understand because they're in different tense. That is grammatical tense, not tense like, you know, REI and Coleman tense, but tense. God says this, every land that you tread upon, that's future tense. Every place the sole of your foot will tread upon, verse three, I have given you, that's past tense, as I said to Moses, listen up. God said, I've already done it, my part. I promise you, I've done it, it's for you. And every part of the land that your soul treads upon, that's up to you is yours. It's truly up to you how far you want to go in your Christianity. Have you figured this out? Isn't this nuts that the things that God, the principles of God's kingdom in God's creation, he says, hey, you can actually be as smart as you want to be. It's up to you. You can actually be as physically fit as you want to be. It's up to you. You can actually be as financially secure as you want to be. It's actually up to you. You can actually have as many friends in your life as you want. It's up to you. You can actually be spiritually prowess and strong and grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus as much as you want. It's actually up to you. You set the tone. You make the decision to take the land or to sit back and let somebody else take it or to have all the excuses in your own mind of why you can't, why you shouldn't, why you won't. And I don't say this condemningly. I'm right here with you going, oh my gosh, this is crazy. And the Lord will whisper to Luke for shed, hey Luke, how, how spiritual do you want to be? How loving do you want to be? Because the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and gentleness and goodness and meekness and self-control. Against such there is no law. There's no limit. There's no borders at all. The Lord says, how how loving do you want to be? It's up to you. Well, not too crazy. I don't want to love everybody. That would be nuts. That would be exhausting, would it? 
Would it be exhausting? I don't want to serve too much. That would be exhausting. Would it? I don't want to be, give too much. I'll, I'll run out if I give too much. Would you? Would you? I have given to you all of the land that your soul shall tread upon. It's a past tense promise from God with a future tense that is put upon you and I. Will we do it? This is the challenge. This is what God is putting. As a matter of fact, he encourages. You can put the map down and put the scriptures up. Look at verse five or four, or verse five. He says, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. When Moses was delivered this promise earlier and now Joshua receives this boundary, I wonder if Joshua was like, really? <laughs> That's a lot of land right there, man. That's a lot of land. You seriously want us to take all of that? That's too much. I wonder if that was what's going on in his mind. And so God follows up immediately, verse five. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give to them. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn to the left or turn to the to right hand or to the left that you may prosper wherever you go. In verse 8, he tells us exactly how this is going to happen. Verse 8, he says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. God's promises. God's commandments, God's provision, nothing's gonna change that and he's given it to us the way to activate the promises and to put them into our life is through his word. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth but you shall meditate on it day and night that you would observe its ways, that you might walk in its ways and therefore be successful and therefore have this prosperity in your life. And guys, what the idea here is is that we become people of God's word that it doesn't leave our mouth, that we know the promises of God, we share the promises of God. The idea here is meditation. Really, it's a meditation that's verbal also. It's like a mutterance where we're kind of meditating on God's word, promises coming out of our mouth. God will never leave me or forsake me. God's gonna finish the work he began. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He's gonna finish the work that he began. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. I can do all things. And as we mutter these to ourselves and share these to ourselves, we find ourselves strengthened because the Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God and that his word will not return void, but it will accomplish that what he set it out to do. Verse nine, he ends this portion. He says, have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Stop right there, eyes up here. Yesterday when I woke up at 5.30 and I was kind of going about my, you know, trying to figure out the plan and I was the, the closing speaker. There was three speakers there, the first guy, the second guy and the third guy and they said Luke close the service out and the conference and we're going to lead communion and have a response time and and the Lord's just speaking to me Luke be strong and courageous I'm with you and not only am I with you but I'm with these men I'm with my church I'm with you in this world I love the world I forgot to love the world that he gave his only begotten son and if we forget that if we don't understand that then what kind of mission are we on What are we doing here in Lincoln County? What does God want to do with taking the hill? And God would speak to you and speak to me. Luke, be of good courage. Take the land. 
Take the land and let not this word depart from your mouth, but meditate in it day and night, and you will have success, and you will be prosperous, not in the way of prosperity in the way that the world teaches, but prosperity in the way that God teaches, which is love and new life and deliverance and community and freshness. God wants us to have this. And let me just encourage you, church. This is a fun being a Bible church. We get to teach the word. We're going through the book of Joshua. And I'm praying for you guys. Lord, give us a mind to study your word, to show ourselves approved, rightly dividing your word, not being ashamed, letting your word be hidden in our hearts that we might not sin against you, letting your word come out of us quickly, letting us be a word-saturated church. A couple weeks ago, I was just praying, processing with the Lord. I'm just gonna be vulnerable right now and just share it with you. And I was just processing some of the challenges and difficulties in my own personal life. And I felt the Lord speak to me almost audibly. The Lord said, Luke, if you seek me, if you seek me first, I will give you what you need to overcome all things. Luke, if you seek me first, nothing will get in your way. And it was like the Lord said, hey, I already did it. The pathway is already there for your problems, for your challenges, for your difficulties. Wherever the sole of your feet shall tread upon is yours. It's it's up to you if you seek me. If you seek me first. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Matthew 6, 33. And all these other things shall be added unto you. Don't worry about this stuff. Don't worry about that challenge. Don't worry about that difficulty. You seek me and you trust me. You be a man of the word. You be a woman of the word. The world needs men and women right now to be strong and to be courageous and to have the word of God guiding us Leading us, illuminating us, healing us, feeding us, keeping us secure. And I'm going to ask you guys if you would commit with me to seeking first God's kingdom, to knowing his word, to knowing what he wants for us in our days, learning from this historical book, this prophetical book, this principal book, Joshua, and then letting God do what he wants to do in 2023 in Lincoln County. Amen? Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you that indeed you've called us for such a time as this. We believe it to be true. Lord, and I believe, Lord, I believe because I know you. I believe that the best is yet to come. I believe that you have more to do, more to save, Lord, more to redeem, more light to shine, more salt to pour out on this world, Lord, this fading away in Jesus' name. And so, Lord, we surrender our lives to you with thanksgiving, Lord, that you've delivered us from Egypt, that we too, like Joshua, Lord, have wandered and rebelled, Lord, and you've been working on us, and we ask that you would take us right now, Lord, and you would call us to be strong and courageous and to be leaders in our community, leaders in our marriages, leaders with our kids, leaders in our neighborhood, leaders in our workplace, leaders in our school, and to rise up and to not be afraid, but instead to be courageous. And if you're here this morning or you're watching at home online, wherever the, whatever the case is, you would say, you know what, I wanna be strong and courageous. I don't want to be afraid. I want to lead others. Would you just raise up your hand right now if you say, I want to do that. I want to be that man. I want to be that woman. I want to be strong and courageous. And maybe while your hands are up, you would even just lament and say, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me, Lord, for not being that way. Forgive me for not doing those things. I think of the children of Israel. There's a lot of children of Israel in us. We're not all like Joshua. We got some issues, some rebellions, and some unbelief, Lord. Would you forgive us for our rebellions and unbelief? Would you make us, Lord, men and women after your own heart? We thank you, Jesus. Lord, strengthen us. You can put your hands down. Strengthen us and anoint us. Guide us to yourself. Fight for us, we pray. We thank you, Jesus. I also pray, Lord, for a special anointing. As, Lord, I believe this book speaks prophetically, and we're gonna see this more as we get into it, of the spirit-filled life. 
that as we walk into the Jordan, Lord, as we get saved, as we find ourselves, Lord, filled with the Holy Spirit, that there's a new life for us, a new purpose, a new strength, a new relationship. And I pray in Jesus' name, Lord, that this church would be filled with the Spirit even right now. Matter of fact, before we close and dismiss, if you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit again, you're a Christian, but you need to be filled and you recognize that. You need to be filled between you and him. Would you just open up your palms and just kind of hold them upwards? Hold them upwards and say, yes, Lord, fill me with your Spirit. Fill me with your Spirit. You can even say it under, the, under your breath. Fill me with your Spirit so I can over, overcome this temptation, so I can walk in the power of love towards my spouse, so I can love my kids. Fill me with your spirit so I can speak the word of God boldly. Fill me with your spirit, Lord, so I can be a witness. Fill me with your spirit so I can be available to you, Lord, for the work of God, for the ministry of God. My hands are open as well, Lord. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I trust you. I trust you for all you've done and all you're gonna do. We give our lives to you now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen and amen. Joshua chapter one. I encourage you guys, read Joshua chapter one. The first five chapters are very important as we get underway. We're gonna be studying that over the next couple weeks as we understand the first conquest into the promised land. Other than that, don't forget to pray for the uh, outreach this Thursday for the young adult group and all the things going on. We'll be at the school tomorrow. Go ahead and email the church if you want information on that. I love you guys. God bless you. You are dismissed. Don't forget to appreciate a pastor on the way out.